Yes, I was once her consort. I was blinded by love and later scorpion venom. I'm blind! Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through the movie reboots of one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about Bender's Game Part 3. This has nothing to do with Futurama, but do you want to know what I've gotten super into in the, over the last week? First of all, does anything we do on this podcast have anything to do with Futurama? And second, of course I do. First, noted. Accepted. Second, I've gotten into Pokemon Go again. Okay. I'm a level 21 trainer. Uh, that is definitely a Magikarp you've got. Oh, yeah. You're rocking right there. Y- you know me with the pro strats. You're not going to get as much candy for that Magikarp if you're not walking around with it. And you got you to gotta evolve that Magikarp to a Gyarados. Because then it's, then it's useful in <laughs> battle. <laughs> I don't, this isn't even a joke. This is what I'm actually literally doing. No, I can see that on your phone. <laughs> yes, it, I'm showing Ben my phone with all my sweet Pokemans. See, look, watch. I have 115 in in my whole thing. It's all great. Yeah, this isn't even. A, I mean, I'm gonna take a picture of this right now. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, <laughs> that, that is that is a real thing. Show notes. I'm guessing the Twitters. You know, whatever. If, um, if you're in Patreon, maybe you can get my friend code. Ooh, there we go. A Patreon exclusive. Anyways, uh, no, I don't. I don't really have much to follow up with on that <laughs> because I did Pokemon Go for like a month right when it came out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was. And then I was like, I kept forgetting I had it. Sure. And I know they've they've added a lot of cool new stuff. Uh, you can trade stuff now, I think. Yeah, you can trade stuff with your friends. I, I've been sending gifts back and forth back to uh, my hometown and getting gifts from people back there and having a good time. Uh, I am, to be 100% honest and serious, I am kind of looking to lose a little weight. So I figured using this as a way to get myself out and walking and seeing Pokestops and fighting up gym battles and what have you would be a good good way to do that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, whatever, whatever gets you out and about. Meanwhile, I got a switch about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, less than a month ago. Uh, and I've basically been devoting all of my time to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It has been very good. I've been enjoying it very, very much. But that's also a good thing. I also have a switch and I've been enjoying games on that as well. Now, question. Okay, Because go you ahead. brought up the Pokemons. Yes. What is your favorite Pokemon? My favorite? Okay, depend. It, it's it. it my favorite starting Pokemon, I understand this is not quite the same thing, is Bulbasaur. I do not like... We've we've discussed starting Pokemon exactly. before. Yes. My favorite Pokemon, I think, is actually Gyarados because it, it you, you take your Magikarp, who is, let's be 100% honest, pretty useless. Yes. It just splashes around. You, you raise it from almost a larva because fish start as lava, larva, of course. Of course, fish larva. <laughs> fish larva. Um, you you raise it into a bigger larva, a bigger basically, yeah. I mean, like Magikarp is kind it's of just the stages a, of fish. Yeah, the stage fish larva, is a fish, bigger larva. Um, at some point, it becomes a fish, fish, and then sea serpent, and then it becomes a dragon fish. Yes, this is the cycle of all fish. 
<laughs> and this is why we catch fish and eat them because can you imagine a that's a lot of them big old dragon salmon <laughs> just flying down the the columbia river here's a thought though mm-hmm. that does sound delicious well, yeah, but you got to kill it first. Like, but good it, luck taking one of those things down. But yes, but it could also feed all of Portland. <laughs> those things are huge. Yeah, but think of how many people will die in the battle between the city of Portland and... City of Portland v. City Gyarados. of Portland v. Gyarados, which is now a legal, uh, <laughs> a, a legal case. I don't know what precedent that's going to set, but... Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's about property rights. <laughs> yeah, no, nailed it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like Gyarados because because you build this Magikarp from being useless to being this destroyer of worlds, and I do like that. Okay. My favorite Pokemon, Eevee, because Eevee is the American dream. You can become whatever you set your mind to, assuming and- you have the right stone to do it. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you're young and like, hey, I want to shoot electricity out of my body, you can do that because this is America. You, you if, just eat that stone and now you've got electric powers. If if you want to, you know, burn a lot of stuff down, you can do that because this is America. You just, you just eat that stone, eat the stone and then burn stuff down. And then probably go to prison because mostly, I mean, there are lot, also laws here. A lot of what you can do if you are Evie as an adult, <laughs> uh, as a human, you would go to jail for. Maybe not the the water one that you're about to start talking about. I mean, if you want to do whatever the water one does, you're basically becoming a firefighter. Yeah, which is to, pretty rad to, to fight all the people who became <laughs> fire Evies, Flareons. Oh, oh, now I see. And right, ooh, mm-hmm. it's this kind of like uh three st- tier standoff right it's it's a rock paper scissors kind of thing right so yeah also they're just heckin cute it's so. true i think you'd be happy be- because they're making eevee the secondary mascot of pokemon behind pikachu like their new game is going to be called let's go eevee into it anyways that was <laughs> that was mike's pokemon <laughs> corner <laughs> Join us next time on Mike's Pokemon Corner, Mike's where I discuss the Pokemon card game, which I was super into as a child. Mike's Pokemon slash Pokemon legal, legal battle <laughs> uh, court, Pokemon court, Pokemon court with Judge Mike. Dun dun. <laughs> You're in contempt, Gyarados. <laughs> oh, boy. So let's let's do the thing. Unless you have any other Pokemon stuff, just get it all out right now. Because we got some comments on how just out there the whole Jeremy thing was <laughs> last week. And so like, you know, uh, get the get the Pokemon stuff out now so not, we can it's, focus. It's funny, it's not even out there like the Jeremy <laughs> stuff was. The Jeremy stuff, I don't I must have been possessed by Jeremy cuz I do not re- I listened back to that and I was like, wow, that was yeah, went out there. Bender's Game Part 3. Morbo does the previously on and then eats the screen. We start out at, I literally labeled it Mom's Crap Farm. Because, I mean, it's not wrong. Well, because Leela says this isn't a, a mine, it's a crap farm. And um, she's, yeah, she's not wrong. Yeah. Nibbler reveals that they're being force fed, so they poop more dark matter. He says it's really awful, but then he really enjoys a literal tube of live chickens just like, being like five of them just in rapid succession 
Yeah, no. And then he's like, mm, yeah, that's good. And he's like, oh, this is terrible. And I don't think it's actually, I don't think he likes it. No, I, I don't mean, think he dislikes it as much as he says. I think he'd probably enjoy it more if it was for, uh, cage-free Nibblonians. They could roam and find the chickens. Okay, yeah. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a fan of those, those darn Nibblonians. They're not Pokemon, though. So <laughs> they look like they could be Pokemon. <laughs> Guess what? It's Gen 7 now, and Futurama's now Pokemon. <laughs> I bet if I had more time and more thought about it, we could map every Futurama character to a Pokemon. I feel like I now have created homework for myself. I think you have. Dang it. Okay. By by next week, I expect... <laughs> by next week. Every main character... Look, I got to edit this show. I, do, I put in a lot of homework That's into this. That's true, yeah. So I think you can... I come in with the, the scathing art Pokemon Go bits. I think you can be tasked to think up <laughs> what type of Pokemon each character on okay, Futurama Okay, I'm going to put in a note. I'm going to just okay. put in a real quick note. Also, Nibbler is surprised that nobody is surprised that he is talking. And Fry points out that Nib- Nibbler forgot to wipe their memories after the last time he talked to them. Which I, I believe was uh, Bender's big score. I believe so. His main concern is being made to eat Friskies and make Bobo in the litter box. And everybody replies, you were just cuter that way. I mean, they're also not wrong about that. It's true. Nib- when Nibbler is in adorable mode, he's pretty adorable. It's true. And when he's in, like, Nibblonian mode, he's sort of just like, I have a deep voice and I know everything. Right. And when he's in devouring worlds mode... It's kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. He's got those three modes. Same here. <laughs> Commanding, adorable, and world devouring. I mean, you've seen me. Yeah, that's true. You're okay. <laughs> Nibbler gives a a background story. We get sort of a flashback from uh, to thirty six years ago, as of now, back on Vergon Six. He was on a scientific outpost. Um, he was the Supreme Fuzzler. Thank you. I couldn't, I, I did not catch what they called him and or what he called himself. Uh-huh. It's a very good, good title. And I want to be Supreme Fuzzler, Fancy Man of Cornwood. You're getting title greedy here. I, I mean, I think you can be a fancy man titles. or I think you can be a Supreme Fuzzler. Can I be a Supreme Fancy Man? I think so, yeah. Aha! You just got to get the experience points level up in Fancy Man. That's true. All right, well, I can't, I, you, you said that I can't multi-class, so I'll just stick with the Fancy Man. Okay. Yes, he is the uh, Supreme Buzzler, Buzzler uh, on the <laughs> Scientific Outpost. And then the dupe shows up, and they strike Dark Matter, not realizing that it is just a whole planet load of Niblonian poop. Or as Fry calls it, the big fecal enchilada. And then it's like, hey, anybody else hungry? No, not in not, the slightest. Not really, no. Thanks for asking, though, Fry. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to be turned off of food, but um, I'm going to pass on that. Um, enchilada? Yeah. yeah it's, it, you don't know what's in there. I mean, you do know. Nibbler also tells us that Mom's Friendly Robot Company was basically uh, started to produce robot slaves mm-hmm. because the dupe hired Mom to mine the planet mm-hmm. 
and it was a way to cut labor. And also, this was in the days before Robot Lincoln. Yes. Robot Lincoln, very important to the robots. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't have anything to follow that up with. Fair enough. <laughs> the well runs dry occasionally. Uh, just for a note for our listeners, it is still very hot, so we are, might be a little bit uh, mind-baked. No, okay. So actually, I do have a, a robot. Oh, Lincoln here we story. go. Never mind. We've come back. Back in college, my roommate started playing um, City of Villains. Oh, okay, yeah. The yeah. City of Heroes like expansion mm-hmm. uh, where you get I to play as villains. And he and a bunch of his friends started a uh, villainous supergroup that was uh, the League of Lincolns. Or something like that. <laughs> okay. The only requirement was that your super villain had to be Abraham Lincoln themed. Okay. So he was he was eight inch Abe because he was super <laughs> short. And it's also a reference to the TV show Clone High, which he loves. Somebody else was uh, like beefy Lincoln or like a big old beefy Lincoln. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure there was a robot Lincoln in there. So, you know. But, th- but that doesn't jive with the... Uh... The the good portrayal of Robot Lincoln here. Look, Robot Lincoln was a complicated robot, okay? He had a lot of good aspects to him. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of bad aspects to him. I mean... He contained multitudes is what you're saying. He did not want to see his robot brethren enslaved for poop mining. I don't think I'd want to see any of brethren for that. And so, of course, he frees them, but then he has to get revenge on those who had enslaved ah, his people. I see. I feel like we've just... He was much more vengeful than the original Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> well, and actually, there... we don't know that for a fact. Dude got assassinated before he could enact it's any sort true. of revenge plans. It's uh, funny to me how we just... Oh, we're so good at generating these screenplays. Because <laughs> I would watch that movie in an instant. The Robot Lincoln story. I mean, Lincoln, that movie was huge. Exactly. It. Everybody was talking about it. I think it won some awards, probably. Yeah, most likely. Just do Robot Lincoln. Exactly. Where he survives the assassination attempt. Okay, sure. Against By, by Robot John Wilkes Booth. And then gets vengeance on actors, because John Wilkes Booth was an actor. Ooh. And so he, he wants to kill all actors. Mm-hmm. I see. I like this. I feel I'm like we're, it. we're we're doing some punch up on this, and I I'm I feel like we 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 might just have to start a production company for all these these just big hits that we're we're trying to deliver here. We're 17 minutes into this episode, so <laughs> eventually, so no on the production company. Got it. Eventually, cool. the planet was mined down to a hollow shell, uh, and then all the Niblonians evacuated the planet. Nibbler was in the middle of evacuating something else. His and butt. Was, okay. Well, I mean, you know, I was going to be... You're going to put it right out there. Okay. Look, this episode is already just chock full of poop jokes. So, oh, fair enough. you know. Uh, anyway, he was left behind while he was pooping. Um, and uh, mom watched him finish pooping and realizes where the dark matter comes from. And so at that point, she captures this escaping Nablonian ship. Mm-hmm. And so in... in some ways nibbler was the lucky one as he points out um especially because at that point the planet express crew shows up and he acts all cute and because his cuteness reflex kicks in or something 
I I can believe that. He he explains it, but I it's a weird like Deus Ex cute machina. I, I I could see that being an evolution of a of a small creature to look. It works for cats. It does. Look how cute they are. I definitely cleaned up two puddles of cat vomit while trying to take notes for this very episode, and then I pet the cat because it's cute. Mm-hmm. See, look, look, and I wanted happened. to make sure she was okay because well, sure, that's you're a you kind know. man. But also, like, you know, they're You just cute. vomited everywhere. Yeah, you just vomited everywhere. Because you you were making a choice, cat, that you were going to eat a thing you shouldn't have eaten. And Carpet you, fibers again. She does that. And then you vomited them, and now you're feeling bad, but you did this to yourself. It's a cycle. I, I get it. I the mean... cat vomit, yeah. It, it does make sense that, you know, when in trouble, just look cute, and you, you'll be fine. Yeah. Because uh, uh, bigger creatures will be like, oh, I shouldn't eat this thing. It's too cute. So Leela takes Nibbler and, you know, we know the rest of the story because that was literally like episode three of the three, the, like three or four. It's been so long in this podcast. Who is to know anymore? Remember when we used to talk about Futurama on this podcast? No, not even in the slightest. Nibbler was kidnapped yesterday in the owl extermination plot by uh, mom's sons. And at that point, Igner shows up. And um, he's like, yep, I was an owl exterminator. And then he has a catchphrase. He, for some reason that we are not aware of yet, he has the, he does have them at gunpoint. And then he says that there are more people coming. Mm-hmm. And after, also after asking that the, if they have the crystal. Uh, right. Yeah. He, he double checks to make sure that they have the crystal. And then he tells them to escape through a hatch. The primary chicken valve. The primary chicken valve. I love that that gag. It's so very good. The the only place I ever expect to see a primary chicken valve is in a KFC. Don't ruin KFC for me. Where else do you think the chicken comes from? It comes from the chicken valve. I don't know. I think it comes in like a full chicken and they butcher it. Or maybe at least they butcher it at headquarters and then ship it frozen. Don't, 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 don't do this to me, Ben. I'm sorry I ruined KFC for you because it's definitely a chicken valve. If you look up on Wikipedia in about five minutes, uh, you will note <laughs> that it says right there on Wikipedia that the chicken comes in it, through the chicken valve. I will point out that it seems very odd that you say in very specific terms in five minutes. Well, we're recording a podcast right now, so, you know, don't look it up right now that's ludicrous so yeah and also that the podcast is only going to be five more minutes which is not the case unfortunately for our listeners so (laughs) they love this they love this uh so they and we love our listeners they escape through the primary chicken valve and everybody comes in with a bunch of kill bots and uh they're like did you see them and then um he was he acts dumb he's just like i don't remember what he says I'm here. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, um, because they're like, did you see anybody? And he's like, well, I see you. If I didn't, then who would I be talking to or something like that? Yeah, and they're like, ugh. Meanwhile, in the primary chicken valve, they are escaping through a big clump of chickens. (laughs) The, The visual of the chicken valve is tremendous. Fry points out it wouldn't be so bad if it weren't for the chickens. The one thing in there. The one the one I, problem with this chicken valve. I really love how Fry continually like does a thing to try to escape a thing and complains about the one thing 
in the valve. That it's usually opened. steam. It's most likely steam, but he's just always he's, complaining. He's gone through two different steam pipes. It's true. Although he didn't go through the first one, he just turned it into a sauna. Well, they were trying to, and then they turned it into a sauna. Yeah. You, you are technically correct, the best kind of correct. I, I do want to point out, before we see them emerge from the chicken valve, that we go... <laughs> I hate that sentence. <laughs> I really wish we titled our episodes other than the name of the show, because Emerge from the Chicken Valve is a good Oh, I'll, good I will title. subtitle this episode, <laughs> Emerging from the Chicken Valve. I like that. Um, we do get a, a brief moment at the HAL Institute where Bender is being prepared for the robotomy. Uh, the doctor starts drilling through Bender's eye, even though Nurse Ratchet uh, suggests the access panel that is very close to where he's drilling. Both ways are just as fine. He continues drilling. Yep. Which, you know, I mean, it's the American dream, you you know. You eat that stone, you drill into that robot's you, eye? You do what, you, you know, you, you set some goals and you stick to them and then... Never, never adapt. Yeah. And then, you know, that's fine. That's America. American dream. Burn down some houses, drill into faces. Um, Eevee style. <laughs> the Eevee style drilling. Yeah, you know, that Eevee, the drill Eevee, when he eats the drill yeah. stone. and he, then he The just, drill stone. The yep. drill stone, and then he just drills into everything, because now he's a, he's a cute, foxy animal. But a drill. That has drills on all his appendages. <laughs> this is a horror <laughs> show, what we've just created here for, our, for ourselves and our listeners. Back to the chicken valve. Back to the... Well, no. We go back to mom's. Uh, mom is... I have a note that says mom is strangely sexual. Because she's like getting all up on this uh, pillar that's yeah. holding this uh, this energy crystal. And um, she's, she's getting all up in its biz. Yeah. The sons come back with the news that the Planet Express crew has eluded them. And mom kind of gives another uh, information dump, just reminding everybody that if the t the two crystals get six inches apart, all the dark metal will be useless. Now, do you think that if the intent wasn't to chop up these into four episodes that she would have even given that speech? Oh, not even in the slightest. Because the whole time I was like, okay, this is this is an okay refresher but only because it was a week ago. It was a week ago that we got this. And I, I, I do feel like it kind of works because he, she's telling her idiot children that she doesn't trust with any knowledge whatsoever. So like reminding them constantly. I suppose that's true. Like, I guess in, in universe, it makes sense. But I, I do think they built it in as the out of universe experience and then like, and figured out, Oh yeah, this will probably work in universe too. It's like we have to figure out in the third episode of this weird thing. We got to do this thing. So she does fill in the plot, and then um, about how if the two crystals touch, all dark matter will be worthless. And then a slipper drops down from the ceiling, and it's labeled left. It's from the professor where the Planet Express crew is like shimmying across some pipes, mm -hmm. and and then the suns start trying to run up a icy slope and fail. And then Leela comes flying down and kicks, be, starts beating them all up and has a very 
interesting experience with the shock collar. She really enjoys it to a point that I wrote it's like almost orgasmic. It was uncomfortable. She is is getting turned on by this electric shock collar and the violence. And yeah, I was sitting in my office when that particular scene came on and I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. I'm by myself. I'm still very uncomfortable. It's one of those scenes where, like, if you're watching it when you're like living back home and your parents come in the room right at that moment, and you'd be like, "No, no, mom, I'm not watching porn. It's just Futurama." <laughs> and but she and definitely it's not Futurama porn. She definitely saw Leela like getting those electric shocks and enjoying it a little bit too much. Yeah. So uh-huh. it was. It's uncomfortable. I think. I mean, maybe that's, but I think that's probably the point. Oh, it's 100% the point. Especially because, like I've said before, now that we're in the movies, they're like, let's throw in more butts. More off-color jokes. Let's say the word penis a whole lot. A whole lot. Uh, Leela's now getting turned on by electric shocks from a shock collar. That's just, that's canon now. Yep. No other place but a canon. So, um, you want to hear my little tip? We did just talk a lot about penises, so sure. You want to hear my cool spelling tip? It's about spelling. Because oh, I always, I always had, I always had problems remembering if when you say something is canon, like in a story, if it was one N or two yeah. Ns. The way you remember is because canon is only, uh, it's got a single N in the middle because it's the one accepted uh, uh, mythos. Okay. Whereas. The weapon is double N in the middle because a pirate ship has a lot of cannons on it. And now you will always remember which cannon is which. I will f- always use this mnemonic. For all the times you type the word cannon in your day-to-day. It's not a lot. I'm going to just be honest with you, Ben. I could have lied and said it was a lot. Yeah, but next time you will be like, which is it? And then you will think of me telling you this. And you'll be like, thanks, Ben. Mm-hmm. And that goes for our listeners as well. Yeah, I gave them a... a Next time you need to type in canon instead of canon, tweet at Back to Futurama and thank Ben. Hashtag thank Ben. I mean, I'm not doing it for the accolades, but I wouldn't uh, turn down those, <laughs> those I'm precious not doing accolades. It. I'm not doing it specifically for the accolades, but if they come, you know. The uh, professor is trying to reach out to touch these stones together, but can't quite reach. Uh, mom is pulls out a gun and starts shooting, but her the gun battery is dead and has to rummage through the hardware drawer to find the right charger. I know that feeling because I read notes off of my iPad every week, and every week I've forgotten to charge it, so I hope it's got battery in it. I, I feel like f- trying to rummage through tangled wires is like a universal truth at this point. I don't know of anybody that hasn't had to do a lot of it. Absolutely. Like charging my phone, charging my computer, charging like power, uh, power hookups for my mini lamps. Everybody's moving to this like increasingly wireless world with like wireless internet and whatever. One of the first things I did when I moved in here was I ran a 100 foot ethernet cable out to the living room to plug in my desktop so that I could have internet on it. And also, um, you know, I have a ton of cables to connect my laptop up to my desk and like everything. I've got tons and tons and tons and tons of cables mm-hmm. all over the place. So I definitely get it. Yeah, me too. I so many cables. 
my wife comes in and is like, how do you have this many cables? Get rid of some of these cables. And I say, no, these are important cables. And they're like, what are they too? A, a digital camera I had in college. <laughs> yep. I, boy, do I feel that. <laughs> yep. Hashtag team Mike's that's, wife. That's the, um, I mean, I, I know that story was about you, but I feel a little attacked right now. <laughs> Anyways, the <laughs> professor is trying to reach and can't do it. So he has he has Fry grab onto his very stretchy elastic waistband on Very his stretchy. Very impressive. So that he can sort of lean over. And um, he's almost there when uh, the pants snap off or something. Kind of tear uh, because... They break in some yeah, fashion that prof- I didn't catch. The professor tells Fry to just really wedgie them up there. And so he falls down and lands on his feet, which in a very painful sounding, like I like think a crunch. Yeah, bone break. crunch. Yeah. But he lands on his feet and he's like, so that's why they call me the cat man. And immediately Fry falls face first behind him. It's a good little gag. Oh, and I just I like that. He's like, oh, yeah, this is a nickname I've had the whole time. <laughs> people and, and people didn't just know call me. It. People just call me the cat man. I didn't know why they did it. But now I guess I see. I thought it was because he eats carpet fibers and vomits on the floor. <laughs> I, I like how when you feel exact, you start attacking the cats. I mean, I was trying. I was trying. My notes are garbage <laughs> because of those cats. I will have you know. I, I did know. As mom and her cronies and killbots sort of um, enclose in mm-hmm. on the group, Fry's like, save us, cat man. So, like, Fry's in on the... the oh, yeah. I'm in, too. Yep. I'll call him Catman for the rest of the show. So, Catman lands on his feet, like we said, but Mom found the charger and has a very long extension cord and demands the anti-crystal. So, of course, the Catman swallows it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he sure does. Um, and the boat keys are still in his stomach, too, because all of a sudden, like, you can kind of see into his stomach. Yeah. It turns out that the reason for this is that, well, no, I, it's because I think the reason is because the stones are so like so close. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, back at the Hal Institute. Before we go, mom does remind him that they're in a crap harvesting factory. And yes. then the sons come up with a giant syringe of prunes and a bucket. Yeah. I, I, I sense that you didn't necessarily want to talk about that too much. I'm fine. I like the 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 visual of a giant syringe of prunes. I'm fine without that imagery. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you have it back. Meanwhile, at the Hal Institute, uh, the doctor is uh, he has drilled through Bender's eye and is like, "Now we will jerk out your imagination." And as he's doing this, all the dark matter that Bender stole earlier is still mm-hmm. in his compartment, and it is glowing, and. Uh, all of a sudden, Bender just sort of disappears. It's like in a purple flash of light, and he's just gone. And the doctor goes, illogical, illogical, and ex- his head explodes. And Nurse Ratchet says, but I love you. At the mine, the ice cracks and everybody falls into the crevasse. Right. And there's also all these like weird purple waves of energy yeah. going through the floor and everything. So they fall in, and then they climb out of this hole into uh what i just call D land in my yeah. notes at first i call it a field but yeah it's D land basically and um 
God, have, have I told the story about Aerosmith and D&D? Let's, even if you have, let's do it again. <laughs> the listeners need to be reminded. Um, so long story short, because I don't know if I've told this story before. Uh, I was in a game in college where the DM was just like, you are walking along and you see the strangest group of bards you've ever seen with bizarre looking loots. And it turned out it was Aerosmith and <laughs> Steven Tyler was a level 20 bard slash cleric and sent him on a quest. It was all very ridiculous. Um, and so, but it turned out that they were, it was Aerosmith who were interdimensional travelers because they wanted to be rock stars in every dimension. And so now the very concept of traveling to a quote unquote D and D land, <laughs> I'm always like, all right, fine. Aerosmith already did that. <laughs> It was... It's it's the, the South Park episode. Aerosmith did it. It was a very bad D&D game. How long did you go on with that Aerosmith game? Oh, I was only in it for three sessions because that's what I promised my friend I was going to do. Yeah. Because like, like, right off the bat, I was like, this is garbage and I hate it. And uh, he was like, no, 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 just give it three sessions. And then I, I dropped out before Aerosmith showed up. Wow. I, only, I only heard about that secondhand. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was something something special. I I guess I never realized you got that secondhand and you weren't part of that because I, I I feel like I I have a visual of you reacting to that in me, real time of just utter horror and then just walking out of the room. Well, so I was I was running a different game that was the that I, I was running the next night mm-hmm. every week. And so literally while we were walking to the game, uh, I'd be like, so how bad was it yesterday? Mm-hmm. And uh, this time my friend, he didn't even wait for me. He's like, you will not believe how bad it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there is, if I, and I think there's probably a way to make that kind of work. Surprisingly, if you're, like just saying this is just a joke game oh yeah no but i mean it does not sound like this was a joke game no he took it totally seriously like you have to like surgically attach your your tongue to your cheek right for aerosmith to work in D D. now like all. i think it's fine to throw in little references because like i definitely ran a game where as a side quest they met a bard who he and his brother who that was also a bard were walking down the road when a demon challenged them to play the best song that he oh, ever I like heard. That. Yeah, um, that's good. And then the twist is that they couldn't, so they took the devil took his brother, and then they had to go get the devil, uh, Ooh, go I like kill that. the the devil, and get the brother back. But you're not like tenacious D is here. <laughs> it's not like Jack Black shows up and he he uh, does some weird like uh, hand signals with his hands, like little devil horns, and he's. Um, he, I don't know what else Jack Black does. Um, very, he acts very, really annoying in your general direction. He has very high kicks, but I, all I'm saying <laughs> is that there's a way to make that kind of work. And then it just sounds like he did not No. Also, why is Steven Tyler a level 20 <laughs> bard cleric? He literally resurrected the guy who died on the, the quest. And it's like, Steven Tyler, if you are such a magical being, why didn't you just go get this sword from the graveyard yourself? <laughs> why does a cleric need a sword? I don't know. 
Why does Steven Tyler need a sword? Why does Steven Tyler? I have a lot of questions about everything. I mean, if you're going to bring Steven Tyler into the game and the quest is for something, it should be maybe a a, a, a different kind of electric loot or something. A potion of uh, uh, agelessness. I mean, he's got that already. Dude's, I mean, but yeah, he's got to keep that supply going. <laughs> it's, true. it's not a one-use thing. You got to keep, uh, got to keep down in that. I need a potion of love in an elevator. Anyways, uh, they see Bender right up, and Bender is like, "I'm not Bender. I'm Titania's Anglesmith." Um, uh, I do want to point out that Leela is now a centaur. Important thing to bring up. <laughs> I got distracted by the Aerosmith thing. Leela is a centaur, um, and. Yes, Bender shows up, but he's Titanius Anglesmith. Mm-hmm. He says, welcome to Cornwood. And he they go to uh, what I just called Cornwood Castle. Most likely, yeah. They're having a ceremonial dinner, which uh, uh, Calculon in some kind of... I'm sure he's named differently. Everybody is named differently, but it's hard to keep track. Calculon announces that Dark Riders approach. And uh, yeah, they... they uh, well, there's also a little bit where uh dwarves and gnomes like dance around and stuff which i've just been watching the wizard of oz a whole (laughs) awful lot so that brought me back to like (laughs) munchkin land but anyways um listen to any album you like eventually at some point eventually at some point uh but yes then dark riders approach and so they ride off fry is is riding riding on leela riding on leela as a centaur and fry's like i don't know why i'm enjoying this so much it is i mean it raises some questions. Oh, a lot of questions. Um, and Leela is just, you know, living her best life. She found the horse stone and she ate it. And then so... How did that come back and actually get close <laughs> to a real thing? My lord. Uh, That's, that, that, I will say, I'm outside of the podcast, this is the, this is the meta podcast. That was a well, well done tactical strike. Uh, the Dark Riders are mom's sons. And they manage to impale Fry with like, a lance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then Walt, uh, or Igner impales Walt yeah. with the lance behind him. And um, they argue a little bit about following me and following me too close. And in this process, Fry manages to drop this 12 sided die slash. Anti whatever, anti backward crystal, and but uh, now it is the die of power. Right, it rolls and it comes up a seven, and then this big like uh, hologram sort of spell page comes up. It's like seven banish foes, and then all three of Mom's sons just get banished out to a swamp. Yep, and they are banished. Leela is, as they continue their ride, uh, Leela is like super excited and feeling super alive. And Fry is literally still dealing with two puncture wounds in his body on, on the back of Leela. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, he looks like he's bleeding out. My, my literal note is Leela is really excited, but Fry is dying. <laughs> I mean, it's a very <clears throat> good description of what happened. There's also a random joke where they're like, hey, is that a hobbit? And then Bender's like, no, that's a hobo and a rabbit. But they're making a hobbit. Yep. <laughs> you, you, that was a joke that definitely I decided not to write down in my notes. They go to this like outhouse where the, the professor, or Catman, if you will, 
is acting as a, a wizard yeah. character. It is the lair of the great wizard, Greyfawn. He inspects the die, which he claims is a powerful object in both worlds, and uh, explains that this world is a very real world. Very real. And so if you die here, you'll be really dead. That's not great for Fry. I was really hoping that uh, the wizard would be like, it's like Matrix rules, because I like describing if you die here, you die in the real world as Matrix rules. Okay, yeah, this that I feel like Matrix rules, if this D&D style wizard definitely said Matrix rules, it would definitely keep me in the fiction. Because there's not other random things, you know, breaking... Uh, Internal canon. With one N. One N. What, two Ns, because it ends with an N as well. Well... But yes. Two internal Ns. One internal N. Dang it. This is why I need to follow uh-huh. your rules. So we find out that... Uh, oh, but he all, does also point out, but in this world, we believe in crazy hocus pocus. It's like Kansas. He point he pulls out this tome, and he explains the origin of this die. It was forged deep in the geysers of Gygax. Wonderful name. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta you gotta throw. Oh, of course. When you're doing a, to a whole big D thing, yeah, mm-hmm. you gotta do that. Mom injected the molds out of this uh, molten plastic and created this set of polyhedral dice. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, Greyfarn starts talking about how he was mom's consort because literally every version of the professor will talk about how he banged mom ad nauseum. So much. Just, we get it. Uh, he is then also blinded by scorpion venom, which is kind of <laughs> funny. I mean, his line is, I was blinded by love. And then later, scorpion venom. And, and the visual just happens. It goes from that to to scorpion venom very quickly. I mean, who among us hasn't had a relationship that ended in scorpion venom? I mean, I, I've not had one in that way. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to call you weird or anything, but that's a little weird. Then I'm fine with being a little weird. All of us. I mean, most most um, normal people have definitely had relationships that ended in scorpion venom. That's just a fact. That's science. So they also decide that uh, they should try to destroy this die. And Bender, as Titanius, tries to smash it with his face, and it doesn't work. There's only one way to destroy it. It has to go back to the geysers of Gygax be melted in back into the living plastic so it's some it's some real lord of the rings stuff going on here now they think they have the element of surprise but through the die of power mom can see them so they go on the road and they meet hermes who is also a centaur uh his name is unfortunately hermaphrodite loveliest of centaurs so he's sort of androgynous here yes um, it is not great. It's a joke I did not personally care for. Not a fan of it. It is pointed out that the centaurs have this huge army. Uh, wonderful archers that can, that are incredibly accurate. They literally carve a pumpkin of Bender into Bender's face with shooting thousands of arrows. Yeah, but they're pacifists. They will not join their quest. He specifically says that violence is never justified. Uh, Leela then threatens Hermes and takes his bow. Then we get a sort of uh, we get another montage. I, I'm this podcast is pointing out how many montages Futurama gives. A decent amount of montages. This one is to some epic sort of fantasy music, so it's like a little bit of a different feel for 
Futurama montage, I yeah, think. I agree. And uh, it ends with them traveling across this marsh on this tree creature named Treedledum, which is, I really like that. Oh, like, it's very good. A lot of the weird fantasy names for the, the characters here, I'm like, eh, whatever. Treedledum, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it tickles uh, a very specific, weird part of my brain. I will say that unfortunately, Treedledum does not. The story of Treedledum does not end well as he is cut apart and burned as a campfire. Because, I mean, he's literally like, is there anything else that you need? And then it cuts to that. And then Leela is even like, you know who I'm going to miss? That tree guy. Uh, one thing I want to point out in the, the montage, and then we can continue, is that they cross a rickety bridge, then immediately goes to a shot on a snowy mountain where they're arguing which way to go. And then they cross the rickety bridge the other way. It's I mean, it's funny. it's a Lord of the Rings kind of thing. I mean, you know, that's what they do in, in the movie. And I imagine the book. I've never read the book. I, I've, I couldn't get through The Hobbit myself. So, I mean, you got to go through that first chapter where it's a hobo and a rabbit. And it's just, it's it was a not blue, fun for me. Yeah. Blue chapter. And they say it's for kids. Maybe kid, maybe, maybe I just wasn't, uh, I was. Oh, I was like a teenager, but I guess I wasn't old enough. Guess not. So, for kids, though, with apologies to J.R.R. Tolkien and his his estate, please don't sue us. Please, please, please. We're not, we're just, we're goofing. So, they see that mom, or in this, she's called Momin. Mm -hmm. Momin's guards stand at the pass as though they anticipated them. Weird. Weird. Fortunately, Greyfarn indicates there's one last hope. The Cave of Hopelessness. Which, I like, it's skipping ahead a little bit, but I like how he points out that, because um, Fry asks, why is it called that? He's like, oh, don't worry. It's just named after the guy who discovered it. Reginald Hopelessness. <laughs> now that's a good surname. It's very good. Um, when they get there, they are stopped by a, a, a bouncer. Yeah, like a big ogre yeah, looking just thing. Just like, I don't see you on the list. Bender's uh, Bender tries to get in by saying, "Oh yeah, my cousin's in the band. You know, the band of Merry Men, which is a joke that it's 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 a very good joke. It's a very good joke, yes. Like it's it's just it's deli- the way it's delivered is just like, oh yeah, no, this is you know, it's it's barely acknowledged as a joke. But um, it it is it is wonderful uh turn of a joke. Uh as he continues to plead to try to get in, Amy emerges as a water nymph. Named Gyna Caladriel or something like that. Yeah, it's which again, I mean, it's it's no Treedledum. Certainly not a Treedledum. Um, and she uses her powers to distract the guard. That power is sex. Yeah, it works. It does. And then they go through the cave. Um, the Reginald's hopelessness is also indicated as the first person to have been eaten by the tunneling horror. They also they run into Morks which is a cross between an orc and Mork from Mork and Mindy. Yeah. It and was, they call him very annoying in every possible way. Which, and kill them all. Which I feel I feel like that was a little bit of a, a dig. I grew up watching Mork and Mindy. I, I agree, liked it. I agree. I think it was kind of mean. Yeah. I mean, especially because, like, you know, they've got a they got a Robin Williams impersonator sort of voice. Yeah. Um and they were, you know, there's I, there was at least one Nanu Nanu that got in. Oh, there. a lot of Nanu Nanus um, and Shazbots and things like and, that. And um, you know, they're wearing like a rainbow, like one rainbow suspender. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and their face is all like messed up because they're like orcs. And I'm like, okay. I mean, maybe Mork and Mindy wasn't your kind of thing, my dudes, but it was it was it was a little mean, I feel like. Yeah, you don't you don't have to go so mean on on good good uh, Robin Williams there. But oh well. What's done is done. Yeah. Uh once they get past the Morks, they are confronted by Zoidberg, who is a giant worm thing. Leela immediately starts just attacking him, oh, trying to kill him. Just kills him, like s- stabs him, takes out his heart and starts eating it. It's like, "Well, haha, You've only taken out one of my two. Wait a minute, what are you doing? And then he literally says, and now I am dead. He says, now I am dead a lot. He quote unquote dies, except then they're like, haha, we killed the tunneling horror. And he's like, the tunneling horror? I hate that guy. Yeah, that's not me. I hate. And then he's like, oh, but you know, I, I would have done something, but now I'm dying. And then I'm dead. He does declare he is dead a lot. He does. It's very good. I do appreciate that. Um, they are then attacked by the uh, the tunneling horror that comes out of the ground and starts menacing them, and that's the end of the episode. Right. We get a to be continued, and that means that it is time for... Grades. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was okay. It's sort of weird because in this, the third part of a four-part episode... We sort of get reintroduced to every character again. Yeah, that is true. Which I feel eats up a lot of time. And that's going to cut either one of two ways. Either you're like, oh, haha, like Hermaphrodite, that's a funny joke. And right. like, you're going to be into it. Or like me, where I didn't find it that funny. I didn't find like gynecoladriol was a sure weird joke. And um, the morks. The morks. Like... Yeah, this basically this was basically just like let's do puns of D and D sounding names for half an episode. The jokes that I liked, I I liked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Treedledum was really I, yeah, that, I, that, that cut, name's so good. That cut um, is very good. I also I also really like the joke where Leela is like, oh, it's you know like the Zoidberg thing pops out and just immediately starts killing it because if you've ever run a D and D game, that is exactly what players do. <laughs> Until you expect them to do it. Like when I was running that game for you guys and I was like, here's a bunch of ugly fish monsters things. And you're like, let's talk to them. (laughs) I had a whole battle planned out. Aha. And then you talked to them instead. And I was like, okay, well. We get two experience points. Cool. So yeah, the point is players never do what you want them to do. (laughs) If it's just a friendly monster in the tunnels, it's like, oh, I'll totally help you kill this tunnel horror. Uh, The players immediately start killing it. And don't ask questions. But when it's a whole bunch of fish people you want them to murder, they're like, "Yeah, we should talk to them." Yeah, these fish people—they seem—they uh, seem good and trustworthy. They seem like fish people we could really have a beer with. <laughs> that would be weird physics, but yes. So some of the D and D sort of humor was stuff that I'm like, "Oh yeah, no." As a D and D player, I can super appreciate this. But I feel like a lot of the jokes are also just like, I don't know, a pun on. The professor's name. Sure. But fantasy like, ooh. So I feel like it was sort of a mixed bag. I overall enjoyed it, though. Um, I'd say maybe a C plus, B minus, like right on that cusp there. Okay. Um, It is 
unlike a lot of the other movies, this this movie does kind of maintain its momentum. I do want to see where it goes next. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like the movies were just kind of like, okay, what was even the point of watching part three of this film? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, but I just I don't think I can give it anything higher than a B minus. It was fine. Okay. Um, I do think I'm gonna have to disagree with you a little bit. Um, I think it mostly hit for me. Okay. Um, I, I maybe I'm more uh, a fan of those kind of pun kind of things. Um, there were a few things that didn't. I Hermes and and uh, Amy specifically in D and D world didn't didn't really hit with me, but a lot of the jokes hit. Um, the chicken valve. Oh, yeah, just the chicken valve was pretty funny. good. Uh-huh. Like even the build up to get to D and D land and being in D&D land and kind of seeing this, how you'd put the Futurama sensibilities in that kind of environment was really interesting to me. And this was what I was kind of waiting for once we started Bender's game because I knew this was coming. It comes a lot later than I remember. Exactly. I was kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. That's why I was kind of surprised last episode. But I, I think you're you're right in that it takes a decent amount of time to reintroduce everybody in D&D world. But you get that kind of... I really like the look of horror as Fry slumps down and the die of power starts rolling across the battlefield. And everyone's like, what? No. And, okay. and I, 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 I just really enjoyed it. It felt, it, it, it felt right. It, there were some missteps, sure. Um, some problematic stuff. But I did like it a lot. Um, and, I mean, for a lot for a third part of a sure. movie. So I'd probably give it a B. We would like to know what you all think about Bender's Game Part 3 Absolutely. or any other Futurama-related stuff. Um, I know we've we've actually had a lot of new listeners pop up over the yeah, last welcome. week or so. So um, they are dozens of episodes behind this point. But, um, you know, but it's I nice to see... Always welcome. It's nice to see new faces and, and talk to some people on Twitter and uh, welcome them to listening to this podcast. Thing, this thing that we create. Yeah, they're all like, oh, this is a very good podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, we were a lot more on topic uh, back then. So <laughs> buckle in. So, you know, we we like hearing from you guys is the point. And so if you want to talk to us about Futurama or whatever else, if you want to talk to us about your favorite Pokemon. What your your Pokemon Go trainer code is so I can be friends with you. Yeah, send Mike some Pokemon Go codes because uh, he needs friends. Mm-hmm. I always need friends and and pokemon friends i mean real friends are also important i think and uh yeah you can do that by emailing us at back to the futurama podcast at gmail.com you can tweet at us at back to futurama you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash back to futurama and we are on spotify and apple podcast we're down to one spotify feed. we have it's been a fixed. we have a single spotify feed so you can find us there review us Rate us, subscribe, do all those kind of things, and uh, send to your friends, and we can all go walk in on a Pokemon Go walk together. And if uh, you liked this and want to help support us, we are on Patreon. Um, I believe next week we are we owe our good listeners uh, at the $5 or more level another live episode, so that's going to be happening next week because it's the last Tuesday of the month. <laughs> it's going to be fun on <laughs> a bun. So, um, yeah, um, if you want to support us there, cool. And if, if not, that's also cool. We yeah. just appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, we love you either way. And uh, I think that is everything. I think so. I've got. I need to go plan my D&D game that's definitely going to have Aerosmith in it. Oh, 100%. It's going to be Battle of the Bands. 
Oh, yeah. Battle of the Bands, um, Aerosmith, Huey Lewis and the News is going to oh, show yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Power of Love, 100%. Yeah, Power of uh, Love. And um, that's going to be it, is Aerosmith and Huey Lewis and the News. I mean, it's still a pretty good Battle of the Bands. <laughs> Anyways, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye, Goodbye from, from the, the world, world of tomorrow. tomorrow.